Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 97. Tonight's show is brought to you by All Up In Them Guts. Because we rode the Guts Trail this week. Oh my gosh. I was wondering where you were going with that. Did you read it on my notepad? And No, I didn't. I didn't read anything. Got it. Uh, real quick, we're going to knock out patrons because that's the beginning of the show. $10 a month, we've got Zach, Tom, Todd, Tim, Ty, <gasps> Tennessee Zach, sip in on some scissor. SCG Shuko, Sam, Ryan, Parker, Noah, Nick, my pal, Dow, MTB Shenanigans, Leland, Kevin, Kenny Sucks, Ken, Josh, Josh, Jeff, JC, Jar Dix, Jake, Half Face Kenneth, Green Giant, Gordon, G Man, Frank, Ezra, Trilla, G, Evan, <laughs> Dildo Baggins, <laughs> Caroline, Clayton is my best friend, Captain Fickle, Billy Singlespeed, Bill Bo Baggins, Alec, AJ, Aaron, and then we have Lead Out Sports, Josh and Dean from Australia. We've got $20 a month. We've got Poop Wrench. Is that like a poop knife? I was going to say, I think that's when you take your pedal wrench and you chop up a turd that's too big to flush. Okay. And then you leave it in the bathroom as the poop wrench. All right. Uh, Joe, Brady, Anthony, Affordable Trail Solutions, Harley at 30, Troy at 31, Brad at 32, <laughs> and you, Brad. Six Back Outdoors at 50. So... There you have it. If uh, anyone's going to one-up six-pack outdoors. No, just stop being a thirsty-ass hoe. <laughs> uh, what do we want to do next? We want to talk about what we've been doing? Yeah, we can do that. Can I just go since I'm already talking? Yeah, go ahead. So Andrew and I, or no, not Andrew and I, uh, we recorded last Wednesday. I always say this because I have to work through my brain chronologically. Um, Thursday, I did a fitness checking ride, and uh, that shit's not there. Well, the Rainbow Trail is always going to make you feel like that. I yeah. mean, even if you're fit, the Rainbow Trail at some point will make you feel like... But when you're not fit, you feel that way sooner and longer. Yes, you do. That's and funny. I felt that way early and often. Yeah. I did a pretty decent ride. It was like 25 miles, had 3,000 feet of climbing in the first 10 miles, and the rest of it was downhill back to the car. Except for that part where you have to go uphill that up to part. the top before Bear Creek. No, you only descend like 80 feet in the first 3,000, and then you really just descend down to the river level. Okay. I know what little climb you're, like little descent and climb you're talking about, yeah. but that's still part of that big climb. Oh, okay. Like, oh, okay. I get what you're saying. Like, it's 10 miles to top out on the ride, and it has like it. 80 feet of climbing or descending in that. Then on shit, Monday, Sunday, I went out and just tried to pedal kind of hard for a while on my diverge foreshadowing it was the last ride for that bike and that was fine and then the next day andrea and i rode guts from town or from 108 which was kind of hard considering i'd pedaled sort of hard two days in the last few days i looked at strava and i only rode like five days in may so that wasn't good so i'm, I'm trying to kick myself in the ass and get going again you gonna do vapor trail no okay i'm not you have to be like this time of year. If you're going to do vapor trail, you have to have like you got to be hauling ass. Already. You got to be in pretty good shape. Yeah, pretty good. I mean, it doesn't have to be great, but you got to like be on your way. Yeah, if I'd ridden the trainer in April and May, like I'd ridden it in January and February, I'd be ready. Yeah, but that didn't happen because motorcycles and life and stuff. So nothing bad happened to the diverge, but I've just been kind of itching to make a little bit of a change up with my gravel bike. Um. No issues with the 
I guess I have a little bit of issue with the stated tire clearance on that bike. It claims it clears a 40, and it clears a 40 without any mud. Can't have a speck of mud with 40s. And the other thing I wanted is something with uh, less bottom bracket drop. So I did some digging, and I found a, uh, a pretty cool setup. So the, the Diverge has 85 millimeters of bottom bracket drop, and... My new bike, which is an Argon 18 Dark Matter, only has 70 millimeters of bottom bracket drop. And then it has clearance, stated clearance for 45 millimeter tires, which means I can run a 40 and the tire can get dirty and it won't be a problem. So with that said, if you want to buy my Diverge frame, 58 centimeter 2018 Diverge Comp Carbon in pink to pink fade. It has all the future shock parts, the different springs, the little wheat whoop, different height of caps with the spacers. God, always with the, the noises. Uh, got the seat post collar, axles, all the little frame chips. It didn't come with any plugs. So if you if you don't run it two by with mechanical, you got to figure out a way to close up the frame. But yeah, 1200 bucks, it's yours. Send me a shipping label and some money and then you can have it. That's that. That's I built up my new bike already, and of course I needed a fucking brake line. Every always, time I build a bicycle, a I have to have a brake line. Every time. So I even had the different length fucking flat mount bolts because, heaven forbid, we just make our chainstays the same thickness so we can use one bolt or two. You know, a thick one and a thin chain, like a thick and thin chainstay version. No, we got like ninety-seven bolt options. Yes, Kenny, I'm I'm trying to egg you on about different standards here. But yeah, I need a brake line. So I got to buy a brake line because it's a road bike. That means I got to buy fucking bar tape. So there you go. That's uh, that's everything I got. Someone else should start talking. Mm, I'll go. I don't have a whole lot. Yeah, you go. I think I maybe rode the Kinevo once, maybe twice. Rode the Moto. We've been doing weekly Thursday morning rides before work on the Moto. That's a lot of fun. So we'll do that tomorrow morning. And that's really, I think that's it. I put some new grips on the Kinevo. I'm going to try the Deity Supra Crush, Supra Cush, something or other. I even got Super Vein, and I, for some reason, bought platinum-colored little, I don't know what you call it, clampies, the little aluminum clampies, so they match my DHR Evo brakes. Pretty You crazy. just can't be left alone with a BTI catalog, can you? No, no. I think I was... Truly just clickety-clacking on the old QBP catalog, and for some reason, those things came up in Platinum on sale, you know, for a dollar or something, and I was like, okay, cool. So I bought them. Oh my god, those grips come in like 19 colors. Let's see. That is a lot of colors for a grip. They have they come in 12 colors. I got black with Platinum clampies. <laughs> I mean, they do blue, they do teal, Yeti teal, they do mint, golly, they've got pink. Yep, they got and the old purple? flesh color ones as well. <laughs> the which ones are you calling flesh? The tan wall color, like the gum sole color, or the, like the weirdly not yellow it, corn cob ones? They call it gum. Flesh. <laughs> I've never seen Kenny, if your flesh looks like that, you should see a doctor. <laughs> yeah, just slightly brown. With a hint of a hot Do dog. Do you wipe hue. well? Oh. Oh, your hot dogs can't be that color. They need their hot dogs are supposed to be pink. <laughs> like the reddish pinkish ones. Uh, That's how you know you got a quality hot dog because it's just a tiny stick of bologna. Oh my! But anyway, that's it. I wish I had more exciting things to talk about, but everything is everything is good. Everything is a lot of fun. I am in the process of offloading the Suron, so if anybody's interested in the Suron, let me know. 
Uh, I'm not going to like do something dumb and ship it or something, but my Saran <laughs> with the gold Woody's wheel works wheels and controller and all the hot shit. That one is going up for sale. Cool. Are you, did you already buy another, another one? Or yeah. I got to make room for two other ones. So I'll probably get an ultra B and also I'm probably, I'll probably just keep that Stark Varg, but it won't come until February probably. All right then. Yeah. Been ripping the Talaria. I've been really liking the Talaria. The chassis, I just like it a little better than the Saron personally for the type of trail riding that I do. It just is a little bit more solid. I miss the power of the Saron, but everything else about the Talaria, I like better. So that's it. I've, I found something I really want you to ride. Yeah. A motorcycle or yeah, a trail? Like a- a trail I want you to ride on your motorcycle here. Okay. Which one? We're not going to talk about it a lot on air. Yeah, it, we don't it, have to. But it's legal. I just, it's just that weird little connector trail that I found the other day that I was telling you about over there at Turkey Rock. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. I like gray area It's not very stuff. long. You could you could probably do a lap of it, like do a full loop in like 10 minutes, but it's 10 minutes up of straight fucking hard enduro. We did cut. Not cut. We rode a trail that probably hasn't been ridden in 20 years or something. We were just oh, stumbling man, I got a around. Oh, about one of those. <laughs> we were just stumbling around and found this trail, saw it on the satellite view, and saw it in real life. And I was like, yeah, that's a little bit more faded than I thought it was going to be. And we rode it for many miles, and it was just strewn across the side of a mountain. It was pretty crazy. It was like side saddle the whole time, fairly sketchy, and it just opened up into some like secret canyon that I don't know that anyone has been back there in a super duper long time, even though it's really close to town. It's just a very odd place, and there's no other trails that go there. There's no like gravel roads. There's nothing. So that was kind of fun, just stumbling around. Oh, this this kind of, this is a little bit of a tangent, but it is relevant to something that we talked about in Patreon Slack. So if you're a patron, you can chat with other patrons in our Slack channel, but... If uh, you're easily offended, one, you don't listen here, and two, you don't want to be there. <laughs> I think it was Clayton was asking about uh, favorite map programs, and I made the recommendation of Onyx, and he talked about Gaia GPS, and I also use that. I have a membership to both because more maps are better. In Gaia, you can actually look at layers of old topographical maps going back to like 1900. There's like 1900, 1930, 1960, 1980. I usually look at 1980 because it's got some old Jeep roads and stuff that aren't always on newer maps, but i went back to 1960 and uh, took a good adventure today that I'll talk about later. But yeah, I would look look on that, look on G- Gaia GPS and see if what you're talking about has is on there on one of the old maps. Yeah, that could be pretty cool to see. Yep. But that's it for me. Oh, quick question. When you got up in that canyon that hadn't seen much traffic, did you find like old cans and like campfire remnants and shit like that? Like you always find in those obscure places? No, not really. It was just all cow pies. That was it. <laughs> Sweet. Like super duper petrified ones. I just, I hit so many of them. Like I just f- forgot about them. I probably drove yeah. through at least a hundred because obviously it's like a, some type of pasture, but they were so, pet- yeah, they were so petrified. Range. Yeah. Who knows? They're so petrified. They didn't even, they really didn't. I don't remember even them like exploding or crumbling or anything. It was just like, not, it was like nothing. Very weird. Like you could have put them over a fire and like cooked a steak on them they're that probably yeah i didn't really like pick any up and like you know fondle any of them or anything i just noticed that you didn't frisbee wanted a buddy they're just a ridiculous amount of them and they have such an odd like weird kind of ice cream shape to them 
<laughs> uh, frozen yogurt shape. Yeah, that's how Cal shit. It just comes out like soft serve. The forbidden soft serve. <laughs> <laughs> All right, was it my turn now? Yes. So we got our chickens. We got now uh, 22 meat birds. It was 25, but two perished in transit. And then one I just found this afternoon that had just keeled over. Uh, unfortunately, with the very fast-growing chickens like meat birds that aren't um, the slow growing they there are some that are are large that you can get that take about 12 weeks 12 to 16 weeks to mature and we opted for some that are a little faster growing but not the fastest the old uh you had the and, old five minute chickens yeah you know the ones that you get from the grocery store those things are like six weeks old six or seven weeks old they're they grow so fast that you can't grow them at elevation or else they outgrow their uh their lungs, their body grows too fast for their lungs to keep up, and they'll die at high elevation, and we're at 7,400 feet, so um, we get some that aren't supposed to do that, but unfortunately, still, sometimes that just happens, so um, we, we lost one today, but yeah, we still got 22 little teepers and a few laying hens, and uh, they're they're cute. They're fun to watch. You can just sit there and stare at them, and it's kind of like meditation, because they just make these happy little peeping noises. Peep, 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 peep. Yeah, I'll I'll put some uh, I'll in- interject some of those noises right here. Okay, so you know, be real. What? I was gonna say you know it'll be really funny, but I'm just gonna write it down. Okay. Uh, so I've been really busy with that. I've been working. I've been riding a little bit. Uh, like Matt said, we went and rode the Guts Trail. And I had the weirdest thing happen. I went for a ride by myself. I did uh, sand dunes in Salida, just a really quick rip when I was in uh, just in town running other errands. I was like, well, I'm just going to go for a really quick bike ride because I have a lot of stuff to do, but I really want to ride. And I thought my fort felt kind of... I don't know, kind of harsh. And I checked and I've lost some weight. So I was thinking, well, I might, I need to do a 50 hour service on the fork. I need to adjust the air pressure. It's probably going to feel a lot better after that. And I adjusted the air pressure before my next ride with Matt and it still didn't feel that good. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just kind of off because I haven't ridden my mountain bike a lot at all lately. And let me interject here. Like Andrea is talking about this before and during this ride. It yeah, sounds I, it sounds like your negative air springs broken. Well, it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> there was um, was the do, air spring still there? Like when it, you went to it fill was. it up? Okay. Yep, yep, still had an air spring and I still held air. Yeah, I did the 50-hour service on it, so I took the the fork pants off. Actually, I did I guess what would be called a 200-hour service. I took the the legs off and replaced the seals. And when I went to put it back together, I noticed that my rebound was turned all the way fast. Well, you figured that out taking it apart. Okay. You I went didn't... to count your clicks and you're like... Right, right, yeah. My rebound is all the way fast. Yeah, and I have no idea how that happened because it was not all the way fast when I set it up. Like 100, that fork has felt great up until the last two rides that I've done on it. And then all of a sudden it felt like doo-doo. 
and I couldn't ride. And I mean, when I say I couldn't ride, like I felt just out of control. And on a few big hits, like I felt like my handlebars almost hit me in the face. And yeah, I have no idea how that happened. And it's happened to me before is the weird thing. And when it's happened, I think, I, I thought the couple of times that it happened before, I always had my bike in the in or around the bike shop. And I thought that someone was just playing a joke on me. And now it's happened again and I'm not in the bike shop. So I have no fucking clue how my rebound can go from like, I don't know, like seven or eight clicks from fast all the way to fast without me touching it. I don't know. And this has been on not just this fork. This has been on, it's the first time it's happened with this fork. And it's happened with other forks before, like the ones that have a rebound knob that's more, you know, shoved up in the fork leg, not, you know, on the, the Lyric, it kind of sticks out a little bit. It's a large knob that, I don't know, maybe could get turned a click or two when you put it in the car or whatever, but I don't know. I have no idea how it happened, and I'm glad I figured it out. I'm looking forward to riding it again and not feeling like I'm about to uh, smack into a tree or something. I know how it happens. How? Wait, no, I don't. <laughs> Unless you're going to have some wait, revelation there. Wait. It could just airs, be from uh, bouncing around, right? Air's on the left, rebound's on the right. Yeah, I don't know how it happens. <laughs> I thought maybe it was when you took your wheel off and slid it in the back of the Forerunner, it was like rolling across yeah, the carpet, but yeah. it's the wrong side for that. I know. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, blame Ed. Yeah, I blame the cat. Maybe he like scratches himself against maybe, the bottom yeah, of Maybe your the fork. cat's doing like trying to scratch his back on the fork leg or something. I don't know. But today... And this goes back to what I talked about with Kenny. Well, earlier when we when I was talking to our patron about maps, I just happened to go and start looking at older versions of topographical maps in our area. And I found one that connects two trails. And it just said, well, I found a trail that connects two trails that go up separate drainages close by. And I went and looked for it today. And it's just called on the map, it's called pack trail and i've come to the conclusion that when you see a trail that the only name for it is just pack trail is that it just kind of gives you a general idea of where the easier terrain is like if you see just because usually when you see these old trails like this on the map they're very straight or just a very arcing kind of line that goes straight up a hill or something and I think that they're just kind of a general suggestion of if you are hiking through here off trail that you should just kind of follow this route-ish. Uh, because that's kind of what it did. It just followed the easier traverses and the, you know, it went straight up a hill at one point out of a creek bottom. And the line on the map just showed where out of that creek bottom was the least steep. I mean, there was kind of a remnant of trail here and there, but... You know, I, I kind of think that people followed that line, but not exactly. And I don't think there's ever been a marked trail there. So it's, it was pretty cool. I mean, it was really, really fun. I saw, um, I mean, I saw some, a cool waterfall. I saw, <clears throat> my voice is already dying. I saw a big fat grouse. I got hailed on and fucking Colorado weather, like something new every time. Normally you get some hail at you know at some point in a storm this was just like a half hour of just fucking hail it just never rained it only hailed for literally a half hour so it was uh it was kind of wild does but, does anybody else look at satellite maps to look for single track trail on, oh yeah on the sure. moto that's like all i do now is i just look at mountain ranges near me and i just look for single track yep oh yeah I've, i love the first time i ever discovered google earth i think it was yeah, do you use satellite view or are you are you launching into Google Earth for like the 3D like zoom around? 
Oh, uh, no, I'm just looking at satellite pictures. Dude, if you want to go down a rabbit hole, Google Earth. Yeah, so I use, a, I mean, I use all of the maps. When I'm really trying to explore something, I'll use, sometimes you can use Strava heat map. That's not always a great option. But yeah, I'll, I'll look at old topographical maps. I'll look at Onyx and I'll look at, uh, back when we talked about maps before, someone's like, oh, use Cotrex, which is Colorado. It's C-O-T-R-E-X. That one's pretty good if you just want to look at your bread and butter trails. Um, but if you really want to take a deep dive, that one's not really the best one. So most of the time I'm using old topographical maps, Onyx, and yeah, and Google Earth. And yeah, you can find just about everything that way. But that's pretty much it for me. Do we want to talk about new shit? There's kind of a lot of new shit. So someone told me they that I know was like, I don't know why I never listened, but my first episode I listened to was the Smasher Pass, and it was a hundred percent good. Do we do we want to like do we want to convert ourselves to instead of new shit we hate, just Smasher Pass? Because then we can talk about good and bad stuff in the same segment. I mean, we're saying new shit we probably hate, and that leaves the door open for us to hate it. I mean, I would say but that do- in our segment of new shit we probably hate, I think we talk about stuff that we like as well, right? It's really just news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, fine. We, I mean, we can still do some Smasher Pass. Okay. I've got one that's going to be a hard a hard pass. Has <laughs> had another multi-tool? So Daysaver is launching. Oh, no, we talked about we this one, one already. Shit. I thought it was another Kickstarter one, and I was going to piss Kenny off with Kickstarter and small multi-tools again. Oh, yeah, I did see some other multi-tool and something about Kickstarter. It said, like, kickstart me or some bullshit. By the way, I should just come out with a Kickstarter one, and it's just it's going to be called Build Your Own Multi-Tool, and you just pick all the little fucking bits you want, and then you build it as fat as you want it to be. And you're just going to, like, every person that orders one, you're just going to double the price on Lowe's and then drop ship the item from the Lowe's website to theirs. <laughs> uh, I'm, just I'm like, thinking more like Swiss Army Knife, where it just gets fatter and fatter and fatter and fatter. But if you wanted to, you, you could, could actually, get a multi-tool with, like, you know, a single could, Phillips head, and that's it. You could probably do that the way that multi-tools, like a normal multi-tool is made, where yeah, it's just, just two stack. bolts with a frame. Exactly. Or you can just buy a normal fucking multi-tool and keep it with you. There are but. so many goddamn multi-tools. Go into your bike shop or go clickety-clack on your keyboard on Amazon or some shit. There are too many multi-tools. It's absolute insanity. I think everything I have, I have a Lazine one in my Mayhem pack, and I think I have, use Crank Brother. It doesn't matter. We There's there's too much shit out there that's too complicated. Just go buy a simple fucking Buy the Crank Brothers. This is the Crank Brothers item that I've endorsed for a decade now. The M17 multi-tool is the best multi-tool on the market. I will chug a Smirnoff, <laughs> break the bottle in the parking lot, and then fight you with it over that. <laughs> they get pretty rusty. They do, and the Lazine one I have has not gotten rusty. However, I remember stuff getting rusty living in Memphis. I don't know if I've noticed stuff getting rusty here in Colorado. Yeah, but I mean, occasionally I like... Maybe spray mine with some triflow or some shit. Yeah, a little triflow is good. For and me. then move on with my life. Yeah, make sure those bolts are tight. Do you own aerosol triflow? No, I have drip. Okay, I was gonna say I wasn't sure we were gonna be able to be friends anymore. <laughs> no, I mean actually, in a situation like this, WD forty would be probably the best. Sure, yeah. right? Like you could just WD forty it, blast it with an air hose to get the excess out of the nooks and crannies, so it doesn't kind of ooze Goop out up. in your pack and. 
move on with your life. Did you yeah. know that people use TriFlow as chain lube? I do. <laughs> That's insanity. It's not. It works fine. You just have to wipe it off like every five miles, like get off your bike and wipe the chain <laughs> off. <laughs> yeah. No, your bike gets kind of dirty. And with these beautiful narrow wide systems we have, you slip the chain off the front chain ring and you wipe it off. Maybe pick some dirt out or some gunk out with a little pick. And then you put the chain back on and you spin the chain a bunch of times wiping it. You like brush out your cassette, and clean off your jockey wheels, and guess what? Your bike still doesn't fucking squeak and creak when you're going down the trail and shit. Jeez, if I had to break out a pick to take off grit in my narrow I do that, front chain ring, I would sell my bike. No, you wouldn't. I do that like once every once in a while. It's not something. I'm not one of those people that lose my chain every ride. I'm not fucking insane. <laughs> uh, okay, that was a good tangent. What's the next thing we hate? I, you know what? I just want to say, like, on the subject of chain lube, we had a listener question from K. Mel Detos, and I can't fucking read it. I'm from Memphis, and I can't read this. And if you really need a question a- answered, please reword this. Because I can it- read it. No, you're obviously trying to talk weird in your email, and I, I just don't, I don't, I don't have the brain power for it. I, okay. We're not, we're not going there. Let's talk about these 3D printed titanium sunglasses from Pac. Okay. Oh my gosh, why? Well, okay, this is something that I'm a little. I, how do I put this? I listened to a couple of cycling podcasts for the first time in my life that I wasn't editing, <laughs> and. I listened to a couple of Marginal Gains podcasts, and I understand the marketing of like, Pock illicit tie sunglasses, one gram lighter. And you, you really roll your eyes at this, but the old version was 23 grams, and the new version is 22 grams. So it is one gram lighter, but it's almost 5% lighter on the bleeding edge of lightness. So I think there could have been a more compelling argument made of, Pock drops more weight out of the lightest sunglasses on the market. That would have been a better headline. Um, yeah, but, I mean, let's be real. We would also make fun of them if they said 10% lighter or something and we actually read it and it said one gram, we would be like, fuck your face. That is for what it's, <laughs> horrible for to what say it's something worth, like that. They made 365 pairs for $400 a piece. They're all sold out already. So, Yeah, I mean, I guess joke's on us i guess us because two fucking made a lot of doll hairs on on that it just sounds to me like somebody wanted to justify buying a titanium 3d printer laser thingy and they had to figure out what the fuck they're gonna make with it i think i feel like people buy 3d printers and then figure out what the fuck they want to make not the other way around i mean that was almost one hundred and forty five thousand dollars, or it was one hundred and forty six thousand dollars in sales so sure enjoy your new printer (laughs) <laughs> yeah alright what's next Um, we got too much stuff to talk about that one you want to talk about these wheels yeah let's talk about those Reynolds wheels that have more compliance for better tracking and I just want to say if I ever get our old episodes from Ben if we have some bad weather in the winter time I'm going to go back and by the way them. I have uh, the blog talk radio episodes oh wow I'm pretty sure I squirrel away all kinds of shit I've basically never thrown anything away on my computer if I can find the episode back in whatever it was, 2014 or something, where we start talking about carbon wheels being too it would stiff. have been it would have been 2012. It was way back. It was probably in our yeah. first year, and I can say it was 2012 pretty confidently because that's when we started, isn't it? I think so. 
Yeah, but that was also my last year in the bike shop, and I had those wheels in oh, the bike the shop. Oh, you had the NVAM, and I had the NVAM. Oh, no, I got, yeah, I got those, no, I got those wheels right after I left the shop. That's right. But anyway, I want to find that episode, and I don't think we're going to be able to find any of the, I don't know, feedback anywhere about people saying that we were full of shit, but it's obvious now that every carbon wheel company is coming out with wheels that are more compliant that were not full of shit. We weren't full of shit back then, so fuck all y'all. All back then, hoes didn't want me. Now compliance hot, they all on me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're just new enduro, enduro and downhill rims, 30 mil internal, and less depth. So they've made them shallower rims to be more compliant. Do we have to talk any more about them? Not at all. Okay. They didn't tell us how deep they were, though, which is... They're shallower. Just just go with it. I'd say next we can say that Wolf Tooth is doing a T-type drop-stop chain ring. There yep. you have it. Good seems, job. Seems pretty neat. It looks like yep. Rolf, R-O-L-F, still makes wheels. Mm-hmm. That's unfortunate. <laughs> uh, speaking of Rolf, because all the same letters are in Roloff, uh, that gentleman passed away this week. I did read oh, that, yep. That's too bad. Yep. And I think the biggest news out there is that Shimano has a new derailleur hanger patent. Yay. And I don't, I can't tell, and I didn't read it in the article, if... Well, no, I mean, it's... If this fits into, like, can a manufacturer now make a frame that has the same size hole in the back for this derailleur, the same hanger hole that would hold a transmission derailleur, a UDH, or this thing, if they put the extra little nubs and threaded parts on the frame to hold this thing. I'm fairly certain there's no patent or anything, and SRAM came out and talked about it at some point. I thought that anyone's welcome to use that 12 millimeter hole or whatever that thing is, 20 millimeter hole. Okay, so Shimano has basically made UDH with some extra bits. Uh, It looks like that was like a little battery or something that hangs on the bottom of your frame, so... Yeah, they're probably getting ready to do some derailleur stuff where they're trying to make a wireless shifting system that is not infringing on any of SRAM's patents, is what it looks like. And people are all mad about it because it's a new thing. Oh, yeah, we were talking about that a little bit before the show. I think it's just ridiculous that people continue to get mad that the bike industry is moving forward. How do you expect the industry to move forward if you don't ever fucking change anything? I just don't understand that. Yeah, I would love these same people to try to source the transfer case for a 2004 Dodge Durango because within one year model and one VIN number, there's like something ridiculous like two transmissions, three different transfer cases, and two front drive shaft links. <laughs> yep, there you go. So yeah, the bike industry is just too complicated. Yeah, you want to talk about standards, yeah, go into the automotive industry. Are you freaking kidding me? Go into the motorcycle industry. Standards? Yeah, freaking right. Uh Look at dirt bike wheels. There's no standard for that. There's no standard axle width or offsets or where brake mounts or how big the rotor attachment is or any of that shit. Like, that's not standard. So, if anything, the bike industry is shockingly standardized for how many brands and all kinds of third-party people are making derailleurs and all kinds of stuff. So, just please quit complaining about it. I mean, I'm really glad that someone made an attempt to get rid of the multitude of derailleur hangers and if it boils down to now there's you know going to be some new holes in your frame that you have to put a cover on because now your frame is compatible with two different derailleur hangers or a direct mount derailleur that's fine 
it's fucking fine, man. It's it's okay. Yeah, I mean, derailleur hangers are going to slowly go away. That's pretty cool. All right, are we done with new shit? Is there anything else? Scott Plasma RCTT bike <laughs> is probably the ugliest time trial bike I've ever seen. Ooh, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. It is. It is very ugly, but I think that it's just. I, I think that's how time trial bikes are just gonna be. What's so it called? The, I think the what, plasma what? RCTT, twenty twenty three RCTT. I mean, I think it's kind of like how mountain bikes evolved. Mountain bikes now are so fucking different than road bikes. But if you take a, I don't know, year ninety nine, maybe earlier, steel mountain bike frame, hardtail, and you compare it to a steel road bike frame, they look like the same fucking bike. I and I think say... that's what happened to time trial bikes is people took road bikes and they're like, we got to make this more aerodynamic. We got to make this, you know, be able to do all of this stuff that the original road bike frame wasn't made to do. And now time trial bikes are just their own fucking thing and they're just going to be fucking kook. No, no, I have a serious call out to the industry that I don't think would make money. I, and I know that no one's going to do anything that doesn't make money, but I truly would love to see something like a Cervelo or a Trek or something like that that is essentially like Trek or Specialized could do it. They could make an, uh, like a, I'm trying to think of the right way to word it, make a very base model, standard cockpit, round seat post time trial bike. Just an alloy, like the Allay TT. Or the, uh, what's the Scott, or the Trek called? I can't remember. Imanda? No, the the time trial bike. Oh, I don't remember. The time machine? No, that's BMC. That's a BMC. God, don't get me started on BMC. We, we've got road machines. We've got time machines. Um, fuck, what is that thing called? It's going to bug me so much. Speed Concept ALR. Okay. And just make disc brake, externally route the front brake hose, and it would be the traveling budget cyclist best bike it'd be so easy to sell so easy to fly with it'd be amazing yeah regular ass stems and stuff it'd be great i would say that the scott is equally ugly to most tt bikes that i see but for sure the uh whatever you call those things the aero extensions are ridiculously like tacked on the front like very afterthought looking it looks like one of the if you go look at all the original designs for airplanes when they're trying to figure out like biplanes and like tri-wings and all that kind of stuff it looks a lot like that yeah like looking at it dead on from the front it looks hysterical okay next yeah, i don't know yeah anything else for new shit nope all right well, let's dive right into listener questions. Before we get into the ones I have pulled up on my computer, we had oh, a... Look. Big shout out to Mike Franco of the Collegiate Peaks Collective. He runs the Salida Enduro and the Vapor Trail 125. He became the newest sponsor of Salida Mountain Trails with a big $3,500 check, both big in dollar amount and big in size because they have one of those comical checks that they dry race. For photos it's adorable thanks to supporting the trails that are so fun to ride mike we love well, you this is a vapor trail adjacent question well look at that transition we had I teed up. someone ask what would be the tr the bike what is the bike for vapor trail and kind of the toss-up what people look at is yes there's some rowdy descending in vapor trail but there's also a fuck ton of climbing and i just went through really quick and this is how i'm gonna I i'm gonna say a trail bike is not the right bike and this is my <clears throat> this is my reasoning. I went through and looked at 
the amount of long descents that you do. Of course, there's a lot of up and down, right? Like there's there's some parts, especially on the Colorado Trail, right at the beginning of the race, you go up, you go down, you do that a lot. And then you have three main descents. You have Canyon Creek, which is around, if you're really fast, it's an hour. If you're not super fast, it's a little over an hour. So, you know, let's call that an hour just to use round numbers. You've got Starvation Creek, which is around 20 minutes. And you have Silver Creek, which is around also like 15 to 20 minutes. So let's be generous and say you're going to do two hours of descending in a race that's going to take you somewhere in the teens of hours, unless you're very, very fast. So Yeah, so you're going to ride somewhere between 14 and 20 hours. So, you know, what would that be? 15 to 20, or no, 8 to 10% of the race is going to be descending? Yeah, so you spend so much time climbing. I'm not saying get a hardtail. Jeff Kirko's fastest time was on a hardtail. Well, there you go. Get the bike that you climb the fastest on that you won't wreck on the descents. That's what I'm saying is if you can do those descents on a 100 mil travel cross-country bike. And just, when I say do them, I mean like get down them safely. Get down them when you're tired, in the dark, possibly. So yeah, you personally may want more than a hardtail. But I'm saying that don't choose your bike based on that two or less hours of descending. So that's the main listener question I wanted to get to. Uh, we do have some other ones. Let's see. We're going to go to our form entries. Are we going to extrapolate read. that on anymore, or are we done with that one? Um, I mean, we don't have to. We don't have to. I mean, I think we have so few listeners that are going to do Vapor Trail. Okay. So Brett says, good morning. It's evening, you dummy. I'm just kidding. You have no <laughs> idea when we record, and this is listened to all hours of the day. I'm just being a dickhead unnecessarily. Uh, good morning. I hope all is well. God, I was a dick before I read that part. Uh, I have a 2023 Trek Top Fuel 99 XTR. Smash the derailleur on a log. Do I replace with XTR or XT? Uh, XTR. It's a brand new bike. I think if you buy XT, you'll always regret looking at the not cool derailleur. Next. Now is also the time, since you smash your derailleur, to put SRAM on it. <laughs> That's my preference. Oh, this is a long one. I'm going to let Matt read it. Let me get scrolled properly. Who's this from? Todd. Todd. Uh, before the question, Anthony from episode 71, the donated $100 is Derailleur Dicky, a.k.a. Derailleur. I thought it'd be fun to share that. On to the question. Because of Dickie and another listener friend, Mike, I started mountain biking last year and started on a Kona Hanzo ST. Since then, I've fallen in love with the sport, upgraded to a full suspension, and now own three bikes. I live on the North Carolina coast and spend most of my time training on road or gravel. I've now started the journey of converting my Hanzo to a gravel bike. So far, my plan is to keep the fork but lock it out if I want to get some really good 29er gravel tires and eventually add drop bars. My question has to do with increasing the chain ring. I want to get more speed on out of my bike on the flat terrain of the coast and figured increasing the chain ring would be a good way for a beginner to do his, bit, his own bike maintenance. Yeah, if you put a bigger chain ring on, your bike will go faster. What all do I need to consider if increasing from a 32 to a 36? The bike has SRAM NX1 by 11. Also, is there anything else I should consider if I keep moving forward with this conversion? Would love to hear your unbiased and unpopular opinions. 
link to the bike specs if you need it. And I'm going to click on that and zoom in. One of my biggest concerns right off the bat is I don't know that a 36 tooth chainring is going to adequately clear the chainring or the chainstay. Yeah, you sh- should look at the specifications of the bike. It, I don't know if it's they on don't. This. Kona does not give. Wait. Kona doesn't follow. I thought I saw Max chainring. No, says. they don't do anything like Salsa is industry leading, where they tell you everything about the bike. They give you part numbers to derailleur hangers. They give you seat post diameters. They give you tire clearances in every diameter the bike is designed to accommodate. Um, Kona does nothing. So So, that one's tough. If you run Eagle, this would involve ripping a whole lot of parts off. But if you run Eagle, you could then legally run a 55 millimeter chain line, even on mechanical, and you could maybe clear a tiny bit bigger chain ring. You might be able to go up one size in your chain ring. And then if you can get an XD driver for your rear wheel and put a an 11 speed cassette on there, but use the XD one that has a 10 tooth chain, uh, small cog, that will also give you more speed. 10% more speed. Mm-hmm. So if you can't do the 36, maybe try a 34 and do that that upgrade in the rear that'll drop a little bit of weight too Um, i would be concerned with putting two concerns putting gravel tires on your bike is going to lower the bottom bracket a lot so keep an eye on that and gear the bike down yeah it's also going to gear the bike down and drop bars that bike is a little on the long side and I think you might have a really, unless the bike feels a little small for you already, uh, you know, that you might not be able to get comfortable on drop bars. Um, I would Zero say millimeter if you are, stem. Yeah, I would say if you are going to try that, don't get an extra wide bar. Go with the narrowest drop bar that you are comfortable on because as the bar gets wider, your hands are getting far further away from your hips and your reach is just that much longer so go with the narrowest size bar that you're comfortable on and yeah i mean i may not i don't know if you should go whole hog on that here's the other thing that i'd be really concerned about is i think you're going to spend a number of hundreds of dollars and you're going to end up with a kind of shitty gravel bike Mm -hmm. and you're going to also not have a mountain bike you can sell anymore whereas for as few as and I mean, don't take this the wrong way, but like you're you're riding a you're riding a Hanzo. It's not like it's a carbon epic or something. It's it's not gonna ever be fast, right? It looks like you can get specialized diverge E five for thirteen hundred US dollars. It has a two by on it, which don't scoff at a two by. If you live somewhere really flat, the two by is gonna be great. And Kona makes some gravel bikes as well that are even less expensive than that. So that might be something to look at if you really are jonesing for a gravel bike. Yeah, I just wouldn't spend a bunch of money. You know, Andrew's talking about you swap a free hub and you get one of those nicer cassettes, you've probably spent $200. You get drop bars and a stem, and now you're going to need a new rear derailleur because the 11-speed tram shifter for mountain doesn't play within the you can't use an 11-speed road shifter with an 11-speed mountain derailleur, so you need to buy a new rear derailleur. So you've spent another few hundred dollars there, and you very quickly sort of like nickel and dimed your way to 
half of a new bike. Ha- yeah, easily half of a new bike. Whereas, you know, if you wanted to stick in the, like Andrea was saying, stick in the, the Kona family, looks like they have a Libra on sale for sixteen seventy nine, and it's SRAM Apex 1. I mean, it's it's a fine bike. You could go ride that bike. And it yep. clears a really big chain ring. Looks like you can get a Libra at $2,100. Oh, that one was the previous year model. They have the same one. It's $2,100 in stock now. And it's it's a totally fine bike. And it comes with a 40-tooth chain ring. Lutter buck, buttercup. Yep. Yeah, with the tires, if you are going to swap tires, I wouldn't go with a smaller volume tire than what's on it. Now, I wouldn't go smaller than a 2.4-inch tire. Maybe look for something that's just a really fast rolling mountain bike tire. Yeah, I mean like a 2.35 Icon would be fine. Yeah. Or like a 2.4 Aspen. Uh, Ardent Race is a good one. Not Ardent Race. uh, Recon recon Race. race. Recon Race. Jinx. Yeah. Next one. I've got one pulled up on Instagram. If you had, this is from Brandon from Wolftooth, and he texted me and said, I'm not going to send anyone after your kneecaps. He says, if you had one food conveyed into your mouth for the rest of your life, what would it be? Conveyed. Conveyed. Like there's a conveyor belt bringing food to your mouth. Hmm. I'm going to go. I'm going to say nigiri sushi. Mm, I have a hard time. Like, can I do one sweet and one not sweet? Give your answer because I already, I think I have the best answer. I mean, I think donuts for sweet food. Okay. I don't know. Probably pizza. Can it be different flavors of pizza? See, that's where I was going to game the system. I was going to say white rice, but there's no limitations about this conveyor belt. So you could add, like, if the conveyor belt is visible in front of you, you could make, like, a rice pudding on the conveyor belt before it got to your mouth for something sweet. You could put stuff in it to make it a stir fry. You could put a burger on top of it, like a burger bowl. Um. (laughs) Someone commented, just a reminder, Matt can't read the questions if Andrea keeps scrolling. <laughs> Fucking facts. <laughs> Hashtag facts. Oh, man. So I'm going to have to read, or Matt can read. Um, we So I shared our post asking for questions as a story. Okay. And so people replied to that. Dylan says, "Gonna we got a lot of North Carolina stuff today. Yeah, they, just, what, they just got internet. So it's going to be a lot of people that are excited. Uh, at what year did working in a bike shop, does the narcissism kick in? Uh, I think you're born with it, and the bike shop just brings it out because you're a self-loathing son of a bitch. Okay. For me, did Kenny, I would say year three. Did Kenny always hate pedaling or only now that he has motorbikes? I tolerated pedaling. Like, I was, I pedaled a lot. For sure. Like, I've pedaled a lot in my lifetime where I feel like I can do whatever the fuck I want. So, yeah. I don't know. I just, I've always liked motorized things. Like, every every kid, I always wanted a dirt bike. That was the thing. And, yeah, analog bikes are cool and all, but e-bikes are more fun. And motos are even more fun. So, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Andrea is scrolling the question. My, my hand, so I, my mouse is loud and I hate when I get mouse clicks in the audio and I know everyone can hear mouse clicks in the audio. Trust me, the ones that you hear are the ones that I can't get out. So I have my mouse underneath a towel on the desk. We've got so many questions to go. We can't have these deep dive things. Andrea, what's your broadhead of choice? The iron wheel single bevel in 150 grain. Matt, why don't you run hand guards at your enduro races? And don't tell me because there's no trees. It was never about the trees. Um, I don't know. 
if someone sends me a pair of handguards, I'll put them on my bike and try them. But until then, I'm not spending my money on handguards for a mountain bike. Is this like a oh. Travis Pastrana statement? What do you mean? Well, Travis Pastrana was like the only person who raced Supercross with handguards. I don't know. I don't know. He probably just hit his weed back there. <laughs> do we skip the next one? No, we can. Uh, I'm late to the party. Please explain why mountain bike radio is no longer a thing. Dot, dot, dot. Pivot. No, it didn't have anything to do with them. I think Ben just got tired of doing it and had other stuff to do. I think a different way to put it, too, is by being standalone. While Ben never gave us any throttling, there's a little bit more agility and like direct control in everything that we do now. Yeah. Uh, where does Matt work so I can call and ask him about a Fox Shocks for my snowmobile bro? Uh, I work at yeah. your mom's house. <laughs> Sup? She knows where to find me. Are all single speeders, myself included, only racing the class because we can't podium our respective gear divisions? No. It's because we're stupid. Any arguments there? No, I mean, the only reason why I've done single speed at the GoPro games and stuff is because I can't podium in that one. I can podium in that single speed category, but I can't. The pro podium there is, is deep. So sometimes, yes. I'll, I'll admit it. All right. I, I used I've to switch. A- I used to switch between the two because it was like a, just a different group of people you're racing against. It just made it kind of interesting for me back when I was kind of doing both. Yeah, it's also like your bike just kind of works all day. Like there's less to think about while you're racing. You just you either pedal it or you push it or you coast it. You're like yeah. I got a new Trek Top Fuel with the Super Deluxe Ultimate Shock. I like to rally shit. Should I get the Super Deluxe Ultimate? He only has the Oh, he deluxe. has a Deluxe. Should he get a Super Deluxe Ultimate? So should I go to piggyback considering I ride 70% XC, 20% Pisca, and 10% Bike Park? No. Top Fuel's already too heavy. Don't make it heavier. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I, it might not hold your water very well anymore. Yeah. I mean, if you... If you like to, if you like how it is now, then sure. If you feel like it gets too hot and starts to kind of hardtail a little bit five, ten minutes into a descent, then yeah, I mean, the piggyback will help with that. It won't really help with your XC riding. And my God, if you ever encourage anyone to come between me, Bill, and Baggins, I will come find you. Sincerely, Bo. <laughs> uh, let's go to the next one quickly. But will the whole Monarch be rideable this year? Planning a trip and worried it may be snow covered. When is your trip? Yeah, as long as you're planning your trip for mid to late July or sometime before September, you're going to be fine. And even in September, it can be good. It just might also snow a foot the night before you want to ride. So, you know, it it can be dicey in September. It's not always. I mean, usually September is pretty good. That's why I said before September. Yeah, I mean, September can be a little bit iffy. It's usually pretty good. October can definitely be iffy. So... Yeah, sometime July through September, the big snowdrifts, the CCMR group, the Central Colorado Mountain Riders, they will go out in around the 1st of July, maybe a little bit before, depending on the size of the drifts, and they do a shovel party. So they go out and they shovel the trail. They shovel the snowdrifts off the trail because if they don't, people will hike and ride around the snowdrifts and damage the tundra. Also, follow Absolute Bikes. They will... Yeah, if you follow Absolute Bikes, they do Instagram updates. They send scouts out. Yep. This is some bullshit about hot dog versus soup. Soup versus sandwich. It, it a Hot dog is a sandwich. Fight me. So, LF says, Would it be possible for you guys to discuss tire pressure for enduro riding? I have a Yeti SB160. Yeti recommends on their website 27 to 30 PSI, but I ride... 
19 in the front, 21 in the rear. I'm 5'6", 155 pounds, or 165, all kitted up and ready to ride. I tried their tire pressure recommendations for a single ride and was pogoing around the trail. How so there's so much divergence among riders on what pressure ride? Um, On riding same terrain, people with similar riding styles. Thanks, by the way. I got two turquoise water bottles. Love them. You got to realize Yeti's pressures, their rear shock pressure is pretty much nuts on. Their fork pressure, they're going to pull from Fox, which is set up for Red Bull Rampage. (laughs) And their tire pressure recommendations are really on the, like, Jared Graves end of the spectrum. But for what it's worth, when I weighed 155 pounds, I'm not running quite as much as I was. But I'm still running 25 PSI in the rear of a 2.5 tire with an insert. So My vote would be you run the least amount of pressure possible. And if you get between zero and one rim dongs per ride, then you're doing good. Yeah, I tried running lower pressure with Cushcore, and the first ride I pinch flatted. So I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I weigh less than you. Yeah, I'm like 145 with all my stuff on. And I ride, depending on the ride, somewhere between 20 and 22 in the front and 24, 25 in the rear. And I find that to be a good balance. I do like it lower than that, but that does not pass Kenny's rim dong standard. You know, I will definitely get one or two rim dongs if I'm at the pressure you're talking about, 19 and 21. I do agree. That's a very uh, comfortable and high traction pressure rating, but I tend to go up just a little bit just because I don't want to break anything. Yeah. I will say that two rim riding, dongs is too many rim dongs. Yeah. I mean, I'm riding the three zero motos and those things are fucking stout, man. So, uh, well, last I, I thing- guess, I guess also I should pile on for reference on okay. two six tires and I weigh all geared up like 160. Uh, I run, if it's not super rocky, I run 21 front, 22 rear. And if it's rocky, I run 22, 23. And you're on an e-bike too. So there's a little extra weight there. Yep. Yeah, I think the easiest way is to really call yourself 170 geared up because your bike's like 10 pounds heavier, right? Sure. One thing I didn't talk about is how ridiculously low I can run my front tire. I have to run a shit ton of air in the rear, but in the front, I can run little to no air. Uh, when I run a 2.6, I run 18 PSI, no problems. When I run a 2.5 on the stumpy, I run 18 or I run 20 flat in a 2.5 as a guy with no insert and I have no problems. You know but the rear scary, tire, what's scary are front rim dongs cuz I've had a couple of those. Yeah. I've had a couple of those on the moto. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you have. All right, so we're going to rapid fire these. Uh recently switched uh Ride Dog 450R. Hell yeah, brother, let her eat. Recently switched from Shimano XG brakes to SRAM Code R. Whenever the XG brakes felt a little off, a quick lever bleed with the little cup did the trick. I suck at bleeding SRAM brakes, and it takes much longer to bleed when they feel off. Half the time, I make them worse. Any tips? What bleed method are the TRP DHR Evos? I think you should just read SRAM's instructions and stop drinking beer while you bleed your brakes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, buy yeah. a decent kit. They're going to be around 100 bucks, unfortunately. Buy a decent bleed kit and just take your time. Take the pads out, do everything properly, and I'm sure it'll be fine. But I have to ask another question is why are you having to bleed your brakes so often? I understand flushing your brakes as like a preventative maintenance thing. Like, hey, I ride the shit out of my bike and it's a year old. I'm going to flush my fluid, so I'm going to continue to ride my bike because I'm going to own it for two more years. That makes a lot of sense to me. But if you're having to bleed your brakes, 
then you probably they were never bled right to begin with and basically if they were bled right from the factory or you did it one time you should never have to do it again that's just weird is weird to me that's me gently clapping for kenny yeah yeah i mean first off if if you are following when i say follow sram's instructions i mean all of the instructions if you have ultimate level breaks or breaks that have a contact point adjustment that is like step number one is to adjust the contact point of the break as SRAM tells you to um, adjust the lever position if that's in their instructions follow their instructions to the letter and I don't mean you know Jimbo's mechanic shop YouTube bleeds SRAM breaks (laughs) I'm talking Matt just drew a wrap it up button on his piece of paper and poked me and showed it to me. I mean, this is just a little rant here. So if you... Well, then say it with your chest. Like what Kenny said, get a good bleed kit. Because if you have a shitty bleed kit and the little seals on it, the little O-rings are all floppy, then when you go to lever bleed, which is one of the last steps in the bleed process, you will suck air in around that seal. And you won't be bleeding your brakes. You'll just be sucking air in. So have a good bleed kit. Follow the SRAM instructions. And I promise you, you will end up with good bled brakes. There is a chance. So if you do all of that stuff and you get your brakes bled and they feel good, you go out for a ride and then suddenly your brakes feel, after a couple of rides, they feel like they need to be bled again. You might have... Or someone might have installed the brake line improperly into the lever. So again, go to SRAM's instructions. Use new fittings. You can't reuse those fittings once they're installed. Uh, They do deform a little bit. Use some new fittings. Reinstall some fittings. Use the dot grease. Use a torque wrench when you put that nut into the brake lever. And that should solve your problem. But even from the factory, you know, like Matt and I working in the bike shop, even from the factory... So take a brand new bike out of the box, put a torque wrench on that nut at the brake lever, and 90% of the time it is not tightened up enough. So um, yeah, torque it with the crow's foot, make sure it's installed right. So yeah, if you don't use dot grease on that, on that fitting, when it's installed, it can split the brake hose and allow air to get in. So you might have a problem there. And last question, I'm looking for new pants. Are those Fox Ranger pants any good? They changed them and I haven't ridden in the new ones yet, so I don't know. All right, so Fox Clothing, send Matt a new pair of Ranger pants. And that's it. It's all of our questions. Sweet. Yeah, so we have right now on the JRA website, if you go there and you look at stickers, well, really, if you go there and you buy anything, we've got some new stickers in. We've got in Slack We Trust. The next, it's eight people now who place an order for anything on the website, other stickers, patches, bottles, whatever the rights to sniff kenny (laughs) you will get an in slack we trust sticker along with a dumpster fire component sticker and a long live is it long live high bottom brackets is the third one yep it is it's late um yeah actually there are only six dumpster fire stickers left so a couple of you won't get those but you will get some free stickers if you place an order right now we done we done All right, everyone. Thank you all for listening, and good night. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along Show. There's some shit coming out of your great pads.